Welcome to Legacy Fundraising Chat, where I talk about everything legacy-related to help you as a fundraiser generate more interest amongst your supporters in legacy giving. I'm your host, Sunita Gudu, founder of Persuasion and a legacy marketer, providing consultancy training, coaching and interim support to charities of all sizes. Welcome to episode 13, What Legacy Materials Do You Really Need? Over the last 17 years, I've seen a plethora of legacy materials ranging from the traditional legacy leaflet, a brochure, coasters, bookmarks, posters, and the list goes on. But what if you just want to kickstart your legacy program and you're getting bombarded with ideas of what materials to produce and do any of them work anyway? That's what we're going to uncover in today's episode. When I'm working with a prospective client, I'm often given a brief to create a number of legacy materials. But often, charities are unsure how to use these materials effectively. This may be because they have seen other charities producing an ammunition of legacy stuff and feel that they need to do that too. Or I have also witnessed the opposite, where overwhelm kicks in, as it naturally would, and charities don't produce anything for their supporters. And of course, your budget is limited. In this episode, I'm going to cover all the types of legacy materials that you could produce, but also to help you decide if there is just one thing that you have budget for, what could that be? There isn't a one size fits all, which is why I'm giving you options. And of course, depending on the size of your charity, what are the opportunities for you to share and distribute these materials? Whilst I can't tell you what that one thing is, I can help you work out what it could be based on your objectives. And if you have budget for more than one item in your legacy toolkit, you can apply the same methodology. There are four considerations that come into play for deciding what you need. Number one, what are you trying to achieve? Are you looking to generate legacy inquiries? I hope so. So effectively, people who will raise their hand to express their interest in giving in this way. Do you already have a pool of legacy pledges that you want to communicate with? Even if you only have a handful of pledges, it is worth testing an engagement plan with these, which you can then develop into a bigger program later on. By doing this, you'll be under less pressure to create something when you do get an influx of revealed pledges. Please do note that any legacy marketing on a scale is going to reveal people to tell you that they have included your charity. Do you need to create a communication that includes conversion tools for your legacy inquirers? So you already have a pool of people that have expressed that they would consider supporting your charity in this way, as you want to remind them of their selfless intention and move this into action. So... You need to be really clear about what you want to achieve, whether that be for legacy inquirers, an engagement plan for existing legacy inquirers and pledgers before you start getting into the actual design. So number two, what's your budget? How much budget can you allocate to the design, production, print, distribution and fulfillment? If your charity is in its infancy with its legacy program and needs to be able to demonstrate impact, then you naturally want to lean towards creating a piece that can be measured in terms of reach and engagement. If it's a legacy inquiry piece, take some time to think about whether you actually need a separate leaflet or flyer, or whether adding a tick box in a current communication such as a newsletter would suffice. This is ideal if your volumes for supporters or any other audience are small, 
or you simply are dipping your toe into legacy fundraising. Remember that higher print and distribution volumes would be cheaper. And just a point, if you're a local or regional charity, do tap into printing and mailing houses that often are willing to offer charities in their area, reduce rates or pro bono. It's also a great way to engage local companies who may go on to support your small charity in other ways too. This is also the time to start looking into quotes. With the current rise of stationery and postage, you want to get a good idea of how far your budget will go. In terms of design and copywriting, I work with a number of freelancers who specialise in legacy materials and campaigns if this resource isn't available to you in-house. So please do drop me an email, which is just sanita at persuasion.org.uk, and I'll happily share my contacts. So number three, messaging, tailoring this to your audience. Now you know what you want the legacy material piece to do, how much budget you have to meet your objective. Let's delve into what a piece needs to include. You'll want to be tailoring your legacy piece so the messaging design and feel is right for the audience. Make sure you test. By that, I mean presenting your design and copy to an audience that mirrors the people you intend to send it out to. So if you are creating something for a supporter base that are over 60, show this age group, and it need only be five to 10 people, what they think of the communication. This is where family, neighbors, and people in your community can play an active role in your role too. And who knows, by doing so, you might pick up a new supporter or volunteer. The second stage of testing is how you choose to distribute the materials. You could go as little as 100 or up to 2,000. The purpose of this is that it allows you to see what the communication is really going to do and how it's going to be received. And where you might need to make some tweaks based on any feedback. You can then send to the rest of the supporter file, having given enough time to collect and capture the learnings which is typically two to three months. Just a note on producing legacy materials for volunteers. Tread with caution, especially if the volunteers support through service delivery and not fundraising. Many volunteers feel a disconnect with the fundraising arm of the charity. If they are used to being on the front line, whether that's supporting beneficiaries or behind the scenes in more administrative roles. And they may not understand or know how important fundraising and legacies are to your charity. That usually means there is an additional educational piece that needs to be provided to these service delivery volunteers. Or you produce legacy materials asking them to pass the message on to others. By not making them the primary audience for the legacy material, they are naturally indirectly receiving the legacy message. Because they're going to read what you've sent them, right? However, fundraising volunteers are naturally going to be more in tune with your fundraising income streams, depending on how engaged they are in your charity. These volunteers may benefit from receiving bespoke training on legacies, on how to have conversations in the community. This is a topic that will be covered in a future episode. The other important thing to mention here is personalizing your communication as much as you can. At the very least, you want to acknowledge how they currently support your charity. Other considerations are, think about what your audience might want to know. 
This is a topic that deserves an episode on its own. But for now, consider finding out what motivates people to give to your cause. Number four, how will you use the communication, the materials that you produce? We have touched on this slightly in what are the channels of communication available to you. If you have a newsletter, then that is naturally an ideal place to be talking about legacies and inviting people to express their interest in giving in this way. Have you digitalized all your communications? Or are you offering communications by post and email? If so, I would highly recommend sending legacy communications by post, as this is proven to be far more effective than email for generating interest in legacies. That said, I have worked with charities on creating social media posts that have proven to generate legacy inquiries, but whether these convert into legacy pledges down the road is too early to know. Note, I am not referring to services that are specifically only available online, such as an online free wills offer. When you have worked out your budget, was there money available for you to create an inquiry leaflet that could be used to post to your supporters and have available in other ways? For example, if you have charity shops, if you do events in the community, or if you have a physical location that supporters and beneficiaries can drop into. So that, my listener, is all for this episode. The takeaways are, number one, why are you producing a legacy communication? Think about how it will benefit the donor. What do you want the donor to do? Is it to inquire, convert into being a legacy pledger? and motivate them to move towards this action? Or is it to thank and keep legacy pledges engaged? And is this the best way to do that? Number two, take time to work out your budget. Number three, messaging. What does your audience want to know? Make sure you talk to these audiences before you commit to printing and distributing your communication and tailoring your message so it resonates with the recipient. And finally, number four, about channels of communication work best, with ideal preference given to postal, and what current comms you have that could also carry that all-important legacy message. If you need any more support, do drop me an email at sunita at persuasion.org.uk. Thank you so much for listening to Legacy Fundraising Chat, brought to you by Persuasion, a consultancy training and coaching organisation helping fundraisers just like you. Thank you also for everything that you do for your cause in the charity sector, making it an inspiring place to work. I'm your host, Sunita Gudu, championing your legacy fundraising efforts. <music>